Don't be scared. I don't bite. And I've had most of my shots. Hey, so uh, last Sunday we started talking about the Ten Commandments. And so God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on a mountain and he etched him. It, the Bible says that God took his own finger and etched him into plates of stone. And these were the top Ten Commandments so that we might see the character of God. And we started learning these last week and I wanted to learn another one this week. You remember... Okay, so there's ten commandments. Let me see your ten fingers. Ten, ten, ten commandments. Okay, maybe that's why God gave us ten fingers. Number one is there is only one God, and we are to have no other gods before him. Get your little finger up like this. Yeah, come on. This is a visual. This is the way Brother Daryl has to remember the ten commandments. I sit there, I'm in the office going, okay. Go, yeah, I remember all ten of them now. Number one commandment, there shall be no other gods. There is only one God. Number two is this. You can start with this finger and then you get this finger. And number two is you shall not bow down to any idols. This is, whoop, you see, bow down. No, you got, no, you got, you got to do it like this. This is not tricky stuff. This is one. This is two fingers and you act like bowing down. Like this. Yeah, except like this, okay? Uh, so the second commandment, God says, you shall not bow down to any idols. No idols. An idol is something that you make out of your own hands and then you worship. And the point is, God said you should not worship anything that you can make. Because that thing cannot be greater than you. But you, you worship the one who made you, who is God. And he, so it kind of falls in line with the first one, you shall have no other gods before me. But the second is like that, in that you shall not make idols. You shall not make something out of stone or gold or anything else, and you shouldn't bow down to that because you should only bow down to the one true God. Number one, there's only one God. Number two, you shall have no idols. Anything that you have made with your hands or can make with your hands, you should not worship that. You don't worship anything that is created. You worship the Creator. Okay? Thank you. You may go back to your seats. Thank you all. Next week, guess what? We'll be covering number three. Yeah.
trip to Africa in the midst of circumstances when I was a little bit quite honestly in my flesh I was anxious about what was going to be the response to what I was doing or what I felt like God wanted to do in the midst of circumstances in which I thought okay I'm out of control here <laughs> there's nothing I can do about this that was the song that God brought to my mind and I just kept singing that in the midst of circumstances that I thought okay I don't really know how these people are going to respond or how this is going to go God said when did you forget that I'm the king of the world and that was that was the reassurance I had it doesn't really matter what man may choose to do or not do or what my circumstances what happens to me it doesn't matter because he is the king of the world I want you to know that regardless of what your circumstances are today the turning point listen to me the turning point is to acknowledge that he is the king of the world and we submit our lives to him and we trust everything else to him and you know quite honestly it doesn't matter 
what men's response to us is or the things that happen to us in life because God is always greater than those circumstances. The turning point is for us to see God for who He is. Last Sunday we started to talk about the road to holiness from the book of Isaiah. The road to holiness from the book of Isaiah. For just the next ten minutes or so, <laughs> I want you to know that the road to holiness begins with a vision of holy God. The road to holiness begins with a vision of holy God. We have to see God for who He is. That is the starting point. We can't rush past this. We have to know that whatever it is that God wants to do in our life and wherever He wants to lead us, it begins with a vision of holy God. For Isaiah, it was in Isaiah chapter 6. Let me remind you of these verses that we looked at last week. The first four verses of Isaiah 6. This is Isaiah's encounter with holy God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And it stood, and I'm sorry, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. This was Isaiah's encounter with the God of the universe who made himself known to Isaiah. I think he was a young man in his early 20s. And for the next 50 years, that experience became a microcosm of his whole message and ministry. I believe everything Isaiah experienced from then on gleaned itself, came from this experience that is recorded in Isaiah chapter 6. So for the rest of his life, he acknowledged the position from that, that vision of God. Isaiah acknowledges the position and the power of God. And so when you read the 66 chapters, you see that the exalted one that Isaiah experienced in Isaiah 6 is the one that Isaiah exalts with his words and his life. And I see it in the, in the names that he has for God. And I told you because he experienced holy God on this occasion that almost the unique name that Isaiah has, and he records it 27 times in his 66 chapters, is the Holy One of Israel. Uh, that phrase is only used three other times in the rest of Scripture. 27 times it's used in Isaiah. Why did Isaiah keep calling God by the name the Holy One of Israel? Because in Isaiah 6 he had experienced the One who is the Holy One. That the angelic beings cry, Holy, Holy, Holy. The One who is high and lifted up. The One who is separate, who is different from us. I was intrigued by the names throughout Isaiah's book 
yes, 27 times the Holy One of Israel, but he also calls God the Lord of hosts, the Most High, the Rock, the Mighty One, the Everlasting God, the Creator, the First and the Last, the Redeemer, the Savior, the High and Lofty One, and the King. From Isaiah's experience, his encounter with Holy God, he acknowledges God's power and His position by His names, but also by the things that He attributes to Him. That He is the God who creates. He rules. He strengthens. He loves. He brings down the proud. He exalts the humble. He forgives. He redeems. He saves. And as I read Isaiah, what I realize is, is it's not just that Isaiah in his words that he writes in his book acknowledges the position and the power of God, but he acknowledges the unique position and power of God. It's not that God is just high and exalted. He is the high and exalted one. There is no one else like him. And there's this section as you read Isaiah when you come to the, the chapters in the 40s. <laughs> But he just he he has this phrase and these things that he says that there is no other God other than him. That there is no God beside him, and there is none like him. In Isaiah 45, and this is just a sampling. If you read, I don't know, 43 through 47 or so, this just comes time and time again. It's not just that he acknowledges his position and his power, but Isaiah acknowledges his unique position and power. He is the one and only. So he says in Isaiah 45, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God beside me. I will gird you though you have not known me that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Verse 18 of Isaiah 45. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it, who has not created it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord and there is no other. Verse 21. Tell and bring forth your case. Yes, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord and there is no other God besides me, a just God and a Savior? There is none besides me. Look to me. And be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that to me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall take an oath. Isaiah acknowledges not only that God is exalted in his position and in his power, but he is uniquely exalted. He is 
the one and only. There is none besides Him. In fact, this is the very essence of what it means to be holy, that He is the separated one. And it's interesting in the Scripture as you read in Isaiah that there is one kind of person that this God acknowledges. And this is, this is so critical for us as we talk about the road to holiness. There is one kind of person that God acknowledges. The God of the universe acknowledges. The God of the universe acknowledges the person who acknowledges his position and power. God will acknowledge the one who acknowledges him. Isaiah says it, I don't know, in chapter 57, he uses the term humble and contrite. Isaiah 57:15 For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy I dwell in the high and holy place here it is with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones Isaiah says this again in different words in Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. Here it is. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Who does the God of the universe acknowledge? He acknowledges the one who acknowledges his unique position and power. The one who sees God for who he is and sees himself for who he is that I am not God now this is very key and I want to end with this as we talk about the road to holiness I want you to understand I want you to apply the truth that I've just taught you mm -hmm. holiness will not be about my performance or what I can do you may not know this but that verse that says our righteousness is as fi filthy rags comes from Isaiah. Uh -uh. It won't be about me establishing some rules of spirituality or morality and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk down this road to morality and, and holiness because I've got these rules that I'm going to live by and I'm going to show God my holiness. And I want you to say you've stumbled at the first step. Because the first step is to acknowledge and to have a vision of holy God that says, I understand who He is. I acknowledge Him, His position and His power. But I also acknowledge who I am in my position 
and my power. My position is way down here and my power is nothing compared to the Almighty. So the truth that traces through this whole series of messages is this. That holiness is a reflection of a relationship with holy God. I want you to understand today that the holiness that we will talk about all summer is relationship based and not rules or ritual based. Because when I condense holiness down to rules and rituals, <laughs> I have taken the place of God. And I've said, God, I'm going to decide what my standards of holiness are. And I'll tell you today, you cannot condense holy God down to just some simple set of rules. If I only do this, then I'll be okay with God. It's not that simple. If you're married today, it's kind of like marriage. If you think you can condense marriage down to about five little truths, oh, you're very naive. Amy Janelle McCracken-Smith, isn't that simple? She's a person that I'm called to have a relationship with. The God of the universe is a person that we encounter. Isaiah's encounter with God in Isaiah 6 was not about God saying, oh, I need you to do this, 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 and this. No, it was an encounter with a person. Sorry. Close. It is an encounter with a person of holy God and our righteousness will flow out of that. Our holiness. Holiness is a reflection of a relationship with holy God. I'll be back next week and we'll talk more about the road to holiness. Um, amen? Amen. We are going to uh, conclude our time of worship today with the Lord's Supper. And so I'm going to ask our deacons our musicians, whoever needs to come forward. As our deacons come forward, I want you to understand today that the God that we celebrate is the God who has the power to redeem. Regardless of what your circumstance is today, God has the power to redeem that. How do we know that? Because historically, we celebrate and what we take in the Lord's Supper as the God who could take a group of about a million or more people who were in bondage in Egypt and God could redeem them and bring them to their own land. And Jesus used that analogy to foreshadow what He would do in the cross regardless of what your sin is, regardless of what the pit you find yourself in. God, has the, the God of the universe has the power to redeem those circumstances through His Son. And He died for you and gave His life for you and he demonstrated his power, as we saw this morning, in the resurrection. And so Jesus, on that night, took the elements of the Passover meal. And he said that the bread would be his body that would be broken. And that his blood that was shed would be the payment for our sin. So... I'm going to ask Brother Jim if he would lead us in prayer as we receive the bread this morning.